Especially of an animal in a wild state after escape from captivity or domestication. Alcatraz, Arab Spring, one billion rising. Freedom schools, the Maroons, rebellion thriving. We've been rising since the dawn of creation. Sun in the blood of our veins, liberation runs. Welcome to Feral Visions, a decolonial feminist podcast brought to you by the Grassroots Adult Freedom School Liberation Spring. I'm your host, Anjali Nathupadia. Let's begin with a content note or trigger warning. Here at Feral Visions, we go deep, and that often means courageously addressing imperialist, white supremacist, cis-heteropatriarchal, capitalist settler colonialism in order to support healing and transformation. Bypassing isn't an option. The only way out is through. The time for denial is over, and today's a great day to keep it real. Since we're unapologetically truth-telling, please practice excellent self and community care while listening. To begin on that note, I invite you to join me for one deep breath right now so that we can be as present as is realistically possible moving forward with this dialogue. If you're feeling it, do inhale then exhale with me right now. Thank you for showing up to do this work. Let's dive right in. To the place where we can all attain emancipation from oppression, break the chains from Haiti to Tibet and worldwide. Don't forget the resistance in our roots and resilience in our breath. In the blood of our veins, liberation runs. We are standing on the shoulders of the ancient ones. I'm incredibly honored to be sharing the stories of some of the young men working at K Vibe. K Vibe is a bike shop and popular educational space for youth to build self awareness, relationships, and bikes in Kalihi Valley in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. Find out about the Nakim pedagogy they practice. It's an indigenous, Ilocano approach to teaching that values land, body, and language. With this practice, they're encouraging folks to live a holistic, healthy life that involves self-love and even healing masculinities. I especially invite folks to check out this episode on YouTube so that you see the video recording of our dialogue on site at KVibe. Without further ado, let's have a listen to Dr. Jeffrey Acido introducing the space and project, and then hear a circle of the young men of KVibe. Welcome to uh, Kokua Kalihi Valley. Uh, we are a uh, health center, uh, 501c3, a federally qualified health clinic. And part of the program that Kevin and I run is K-Vibe here um, in Kalihi Valley. It's, it stands for Kalihi Valley Instructional Bike Exchange, what we call it K-Vibe for short. Uh, K-Vibe is a space where we do community education, as well as bike mechanics. And so we use bikes as a uh, medium for uh, teaching young men and boys um, and some girls who've been coming in uh, how to do bike mechanics, but sort of using bike as a metaphor for life and how to uh, 
uh, work on our lives and work on our bikes and work on our relationships in our lives. So my name is Dr. Jeffrey Tangona Nasido. I am the program manager here at Community Education Civic Engagement and I help run K-Vibe, uh, which is our bike shop. And I was born in the Philippines, grew up here in Hawaii, I went to school all my life, lived all my life here in Kalihi, and I've been learning since. So our bike shop uh, started actually from the Active Living Design Grant and uh, some of our uh, patients in our community, some of our uh, community members um, wanted to address health issues and diabetes and in many of the languages here in Kalihi there's no word for exercise and so we've had doctors prescribing exercise to our patients and yet there was no word or translation for exercise in their languages and so uh, programs like Holu Aina and K-Vibe wanted to address sort of the uh, exercise or some uh, physical well-being and our, our, our health through bike, through farming, through um, getting to know our land, through our bike shop. And so that's how our bike shop started with young people and it has transformed since. Uh, our bike shop is not only a bike shop, but it's an educational center where young people come in, build a bike, 12 hours of sweat equity, and they get to pick whatever bike that they have here in the shop and work on it. And, it's, and that's how we've continued our programming. And so now we have also uh, introduced popular education as part of our bike shop and in which they do political education as well as cultural education. And so most of our kids are Micronesian that come in with some Tongans, Samoans, Filipinos and other East Asians and Hawaiians as well that come in. But most currently are Micronesian uh, young boys and they're engaged in bikes. Uh, we have our other young men who's engaged in sort of community uh, advocacy and so they were, if you look on Camp 4, they were able to turn a four-lane freeway into a two-lane with one middle lane as a, uh, as a left turn and that reduced the fatalities on Camp 4 road. Young people taking the lead, going to house, uh, state meetings, going to um, neighborhood boards and saying we need safer streets and safer streets means healthier communities and so that's been the root of our bike shop. KKV speaks about 27 different languages uh, that serves close to 10,000, 10 to 15,000 community members here in Kalihi and all that we do is situated in being able to understand it from their own cultural point of view. So we have Max who's our cultural uh, Micronesian sort of outreach. Uh, we have a young Haitian woman uh, who works here. We have two Filipinos and we have uh, one person from Missouri. And all that we do is really rooted in what registers, what is health to our patients. So the first thing that we say is welcome to the health center. And the second question is what is your gift that we can help sharpen using the bikes? And so what is it? What is the gift that can help make your community healthier? And how can we sharpen that? And that gifts might be nothing to do with bikes. It might be uh, how to plant, how to um, swim, how to listen to our community, how to make healthier foods. And so we patch them up with whatever gifts, whatever resources it will take to help them uh, develop that gift or um, uh, sharpen that gift for them. So a lot of our pedagogy 
that we use in here, Nakim Pedagogy, utilizes a lot of the gifts that they bring in. And so the different languages, the, the Micronesian stick dances, we do as part of a bike shop, hula. Uh, we have Kumo Mark teaching us hula. We have the different languages that we bring in, the ates and the kuyas. And so it's, it's a really complicated, but not that complex, a beautiful uh, weaving of languages and cosmologies and culture that helps us unpack what's really happening in our community, but also, I think, helping our community define what is healthy for them in their own world, in their own cosmology. Wow, uh, healing. I see healing in this space through some of the young men uh, teaching us how to express themselves. We have young, this young Chukis boy who was having a hard time dealing with anger, uh, dealing with what's happening at home, and he couldn't understand his own emotions. And when he was introduced to doing the circles, asking about name, asking about home, asking about ancestors, and asking about how your body is feeling, it took him maybe a month or two to realize when he's done something really bad or some aggression that he showed throughout the young boys, uh, actually we kicked him out in, in the program. And the next day he sat by the gate in the corner and he, he specifically asked for Kuya Kev, Kuya Kevin. And Kevin came up to him and then this young man said, you know, Kuya Kev, I, I really apologize for what I've done. And um, if you give me one more chance, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that it never happens again. And he says, I don't know why I get so angry. I don't know why I behave this way. That's the first thing I want to do when I get angry is lash out on the person who loves me. And I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to work on it. And this place helps me work on it. That story, that moment, um, showed me that a young, these young men just, so you just need a support system. Well, you know, one story that I wanted to share was that in the very beginning, this is sort of Kevin's experiences because Kevin was first here. Kevin first lost his watch on his first week. His nice watch here, he set it up. It was gone. And he worked and he worked and he worked. He never blamed anyone. He just said his watch was lost and it meant a lot for him. And six months after, he looks in his locker and his watch is there. So that tells you how deeply the boys really care about this space and how, how they deeply care about people who care about themselves. To have a watch come back six months after. And Kevin never blamed anyone, never accused anyone, and just said, my watch is really important to me. It was given to me by my mother. It was given to me by somebody significant. And that watch came back. And I think that's the healing. That's, that's how much, how abundant love is, is here in Kalihi. Um, and I can tell you many stories of, of, of people being accusing, and we've had other guests who would first time accuse. When they lose something here, they always accuse the kids. And at the end of the day, they say, oh, I just left it in my car. I just left it in here. And so I always tell people here, you will never lose anything in, in, in K-Vibe. Nobody will steal from you. And we leave phones all around, iPhones around. We leave our bags open. And nobody, because of the culture shift and the change that Kevin instituted here, uh, nobody steals from anybody. Even though 
there they have every right to steal <laughs> just to be able to provide in that way so i love that story about kevin and and his watch and um just sort of the environment that he built we practice a nakem pedagogy nakem is this indigenous ilocano word for soul consciousness but a, a pedagogy that values land, body, and language. And so those are the three elements of our pedagogy that we take very seriously. It's like, you know, taking ownership of your own body, being proud of the language that you speak, not, not simply just language that you speak, but the language that you use and see life and cultivating that. A language that comes from abundance, vai vai, and saying that we are no longer speaking a language of deficit, but a language of abundance and seeing us as rich and as resourceful and as resilient and as healthy human beings here in Kalihi. And with the land, acknowledging land as our oldest ancestor and the land that will provide for us, the land that we need to care for, and the lands, wherever it is, wherever home is, and so acknowledging that we, we are land-based peoples, that, that the land is just as important as language, just as important as our bodies. And so all those three elements sort of is, is lived out in practice, I think, here at K-Vibe. Kalihi, for a long time, the story of Kalihi is a place of deficit, and we are changing it and we're moving it not just KVI but programs of Kokua Kalihi Valley our health center is is seeing Kalihi as a place of health as opposed to poverty as opposed to housing as opposed to immigrant as opposed to all of these negative connotations that Kalihi has uh, lived out in the last several hundred years maybe uh, maybe the last hundred years um, post-colonization now we're we're following we're rewriting a script and rewriting a story of abundance of actually an original script of what kalihi was and trying to bring out those stories of resiliency stories of love stories of organizing uh, a story of health in kalihi and I, I think if you come to kalihi you'll definitely feel the vibrations of health of vibrations of love and you'll see it from mauka to makai and how the people take care of each other how they speak and talk about health and all of that wisdom from our young people all the way to our elders and so Kalihi is uh, lives out its name uh, the true the full name of Kalihi is actually Kalihi Lihi O Laumiha translated as on the edge of profound silence and when you when you're in Kalihi if you're if you're attentive enough to Kalihi and it's and the ahupua of Kalihi you will feel this silence that forces you to get to know yourself and to, to get to know the land. And the goddess, of, the goddess Laumiha actually made Kali as one of her homes as well too. And she's the goddess of profound silence. So I invite people to listen uh, to Kalihi and listen to yourself because you might discover, you might sharpen your own definition of health so that you can start to live out a script, a story that sees yourself as the, as the main person in that story and as the main person in a community. People who really care about living a healthy life and in the most holistic way. Um, from I'm not talking about health as blood pressure or weight. I'm talking about health as in speaking your language, loving your color, loving every part of you, speaking every part of you 
and being every part of you. That's health as KKV defines health. KVibe is a bike shop and a educational shop that brings together people, young people from Kalihi and discovering who they are in building bikes and building communities and building relationships and building all of who they are uh, using bikes and mentors and the health center of Kokoa Kalihi Valley. Aloha, my name is uh, Jeffrey. Home for me is Kalihi and the Philippines. Uh, and here at KVibe. Uh, ancestor, let's say an ancestor that I uh, want to bring in this space. Probably all of the male uh, mentors that we've had over the years. So the, the Michael James, the Gordon Lees, the David DeRoffs, who's our executive director here, and all the men at KKV, which is very few. It is a, probably 10% men in the health clinic in a uh, health work space so I, I bring all of them my name is Bo um, home for me is Springfield Missouri been calling Oahu home for the last five years it's been spending the last eight or nine months here at K-Vibe so I consider this home as well ancestor I'd bring into this space today would be my grandfather um, Grandpa Ed he opened one of the first bike shops in Missouri my dad grew up around bikes, riding bikes, racing bikes. So in turn, I grew up riding and racing bikes as well. So I think my grandpa, which he's going to be here in February, so he's going to be really proud and excited to check out this space. I've told him a lot about it. So I bring him to this space. Thank you. Hello, my name is Kevin or Kuya Kevin at the bike shop. Uh, Kuya in Filipino and Tagalog means older brother. So um, all those junior interns should be calling our senior interns Kuya and all our senior interns calling um, just the elders of our communities Kuyas and Ates. Home for me is Lukban Keson in the Philippines. Um, that's where my parents are from, parents and grandparents. Evo Beach um, is also home for me where I was born and raised. Um, and Kalihi here at K-Vibe is another home that, uh, that I feel safe at. Ancestor, I wanted to bring up just the lineage of educators um, but since Kuya Jeff already brought them and some of them into this space um, I bring all the all the young boys and all the young males and all the young men that come into the bike shop within the last past year five years 15 years ago um, I bring all the all the energy that help keep the shop alive I bring all of those spirits and all of those souls into this space Hello, good morning uh, my name is uh, Kuya Max home for me is in uh, Micronesia, Pompeii, where I was born, uh, Chuk, where I was raised, uh, Kali, where I moved here when I was 15, and uh, K-Vibe, where I come to this circle and, you know, and I love it. The ancestor that I would like to bring, I have a lot of uh, mentors that I look up to, you know, but there's a lot of them. You know, including in this circle, you know, Jeffrey and Kevin and I would bring my grand my grandparents because they brought me here to Hawaii. You know, if, if it wasn't for their unselfish act, I wouldn't be you know where I'm at today. You know, I was raised by them. Hi, my name is John. Home for me is Kalihi Cave Eye. 
and wherever my family is. One ancestor I'd like to bring is my auntie for letting me come to the shop and just do me. Well, my name is Randall, um, Koya Randall to some, and home for me is Sarat Ilocos Norte, where I was born, um, and Kalihi, where I was mostly raised, and K-Vibe, where I found home and I found love in here. An ancestor that I'm thinking about right now is my grandpa and my grandma who uh, provided for the family and uh, risked everything to have, like, hopefully, and like, give us a better life. That's why they came here and that's why I was able to come here and be in this space. Thank you. Aloha, my name is Anjali Lynn Nathapadia and home for the past season has been Honolulu, uh, but more California than anywhere else so far and this life. And um, ancestor who's really on my heart today and this week is my mother who passed away 10 years ago this past Sunday uh, and was uh, still to this day is one of the greatest teachers I've ever had in my life uh, and who really inspired me to learn outside, learn in gardens, learn growing food, farming with her when I was little, learn in community, learn off campus. Uh, and learn and unlearn with folks that might not have access to schools or to formal institutions um, and to remember that we can learn in all the spaces where we already are. So definitely um, one of my greatest inspirations in terms of education and learning and teaching for sure. I would love to be able to share with our listeners a little bit about where we are right now uh, and what some of the things are that happen in this space. So maybe K-Vibe for sure, but then also the broader context of K-Vibe. So Kalihi, this Ahupua'a. Um, so would y'all share also for me because I don't live in Kalihi and I haven't spent as much time at K-Vibe as you all have. Um, what is this space and what do you all do here? Maybe we can uh, talk about uh, our oldest ancestor and it's always uh, Kalihi is our oldest ancestor. It's the name of this uh, most sacred ahupua'a um, that runs from Kilohana and Kilohana is the home of Papa and Wakea and if you know Hawaiian cosmology, Papa and Wakea are the, are the ultimate uh, pantheons, Mother Earth, Father Sky, of all the places that they chose, they chose Kalihi as their dwelling space. And it's up in Kilohana, uh, next to um, Ho'u'ulu Aina, which is another site of Kalihi. And um, if you go all the way down, it ends in Mokoea Island, which is part of the Kalihi Ahupua'a, but also the end is, is a tradition of fish ponds, that area that sort of fed that area. So we are in the Kalihi Ahupua'a, um, home of Papa and Wakea. Uh, we are at this moment and this Ili. What, what is that? What's the garden's name at um, KPT? Kalua Polena is the Ili that we're on. Mm. Um, Kalihi now, uh, it's, it's still sacred, but it's also in the modern context. It's home of the largest public housing. 
Before um, we go modern, we also, um, since we're going with Hawaiian epistemology, and um, we went with the, the Earth Mother and Sky Father, uh, and then we go into more, um, not too much modern history, but maybe a few hundred centuries ago, we had King Kamehameha who um, unified the islands. And out of all the islands, King Kamehameha is from the big island. So out of all the eight islands, he, he surveyed the lands and he f tried to figure out, where am I going to raise my royal lineage? So he found out that Kali'i had the most freshest water or, or the best vi. Um, and he found home in Kalihi Valley. So on top of the gods and the kings, or uh, the gods, <clears throat> and then we have the kings, and then now we have the young kings and the young soul juniors or soldiers of liberation here in Kalihi Valley. Home of the, maybe two of the biggest public housing units here. So we try to focus more on um, the vi-vi framework and not so much on the deficiency side. So we do, um, we, we try to practice on what is, what is it that our community have rather than what do we do not have. So um, as long as we can always um, name the greatness of our, of our homes and all of that, then I think we can move in a direction where, I think K-Vibe is taking us with the direction of Kuya Jeffrey, Kuya Max, Kuya Bo, um, and all our young leaders. Um, I think that's, that's where we start, naming the homes. Here it's uh, 1638 Camp 4 since we are naming the Aina. Uh, this used to be um, a hub for working class folks to pick up their dairy or their eggs. Um, this used to be an egg farm in the late 50s and 60s or, or maybe earlier than that. Now it's pretty similar. In the front we have uh, a mural of a past, present and future. So on the far left we have an egg. That's cracked, that's about to hatch, and then right in the middle it transitions into um, a photo of two young, young fine soldiers, or soldiers of liberation, that are building bikes, and then on the far right it transitioned into a, a black hole, which is the two sliding doors that open up to the bike shop, and we're saying that the past is an egg shop, or an egg farm, the present is a bike shop, and the future is the young souls that call this place home. So um, that's pretty much what the history of this space is. Um, for us, we, we try to create an autonomous youth program where it's led by the youth and, and they figure it out. We're more so like older brothers to, to, the, little, uh, to the little kids and the youth. But like we just try our best to make the space like a place where people can be free. Like just feel themselves and not be afraid to be judged be afraid to make the wrong choice and feel like this space is where we can just be ourselves and not worry about outside forces that could hurt us and hurt us in ways that we cannot even imagine. Growing up, my dad, my dad, he was at the Philippines half of my life because um, they couldn't send him over here because my mom and dad wasn't like legally married yet until I was like eight. So I only grew up with two men in my family, which is my uncle and my grandpa. Yeah, they were like the two main men that I had to look up to. Oh man, like living with them, they always told me like, not, not to do this and like stay away from this and be careful of this, don't do that. It was everything but like, oh, be yourself. Wasn't given many options to like really express myself that much. Like as soon as, um, I got my first bike, 
my grandpa bought a bike from Swamp Meat and um, I started like sneaking out and then going <laughs> going to the next street and hanging out with my friends and then coming back before sundown before like anyone could find out that I, I was gone. And our friendships like slowly grew and grew and that's how I met uh, a couple of guys at the shop that used to come here when um, it first opened. They introduced me to um, K-Vibe. There was a big like a Greek grand opening. Yeah, I started coming here ever since and that's where I met mentors where they told me I could be whatever I wanted. That's what kept me coming here because there's like every day is different and like truly I can do what I really wanted. Not like in a battle where I can like, oh, I, I can do whatever I want. Like I go back, I go break this, I go break that. It's like, like being here, I just feel like the world is mine being here. I feel like I can achieve anything I want when I'm in here. and. That's thanks to all the mentors and all the teachers that I came across that told me that I could be what I want and that I'm, I'm not just a kid from Kalihi that's going to end up working somewhere else and have like a cyclical cycle of like just working, having kids, work, making them work, teaching them how to work and having kids again and teaching them how to work and work and work and it just taught me a lot about wanting to be free. That word we have on the board, um, liberation, liberate. It's the word that, that I always try to find. It's the word that I want to be and what I try to feel all the time, liberated. Riffing off of that question that you asked to turn it to some other folks also, so that you know, experience maybe of transformation or seeing something different or maybe feeling something different since you've been in this space. I'd be so curious um, to know maybe what some of your experiences have been around that also, if you'd be down to share. Well, I can say um, I worked in restaurant industry when I first moved to Hawaii. I made a lot of good friends there, but they were just more, they were just basically friends that, you know, hang out with, go out, go beach, do whatever. But since I've been at K-Vibe, it's, I've made a lot of friends, but also family. People that I can actually talk about how I'm feeling since my family is all the way in Missouri still. I was kind of searching for that kind of love and space. Um, we can eat together, we can share food, share drinks. Just opening it up and having who's around this table right now has been very liberating and the sense of not only just being more relaxed and you know, this doesn't feel like a job, you know, I'm coming to hang out and I, you know, don't wake up and I'm like, oh, I gotta go to work. It's like, oh, I, I can go hang out with my family today. Like, so that's, where I think I've grown the most as far as the freedom aspect because when I was before that restaurant and selling cars, selling cars was just like forcing people to do something that they didn't want to do pretty much, like trying to talk them into buying a car. And we don't sell anything here, so that's a whole different thing. It's like, well, what do you want? Like, I'm not trying to force something upon you. Like, you want this kind of bike? Cool, well, I'll help you. We can build it and... I think that's another form of liberation. They can go from a bare frame and build a bike from the ground up. So it's not like they went out and bought something. It's they put work into it and learn from it. So 
I feel like that gives them more confidence and liberation riding a bike that they built from scratch, you know. And it's something they wanted, not something that I told them they wanted. So that's definitely been a whole change of mindset since I've been here. I'm just like so appreciative of growing here and look forward to the next few multiple years here. I'm just really blessed and grateful to be able to be a part of this space and I'm the youngest sibling, I have two older sisters, so being able to be not, not even a mentor, uh, Kuya, and older brother to these boys and girls, because we've been having some girls come, it's been mainly boys, but we do have some young women come in, and just having younger siblings, and just to share some of my knowledge and skills, not only with bikes, just about, you know, life, if they have any questions, you know, to be, be there, and the feeling that I get when they have, they can confide in me and come talk to me about some of that stuff is really satisfying and rewarding for me. So it's just something I've never experienced before, but I'm really grateful for, and I look forward to doing this for a lot, lot longer. What have you learned, Max? Uh, I learned to, uh, I learned to listen. That's the one big thing I learned, because uh, I have a hard time uh, remembering what other people say. It's like I, I listen and I formulate my thought already. And, and I, that's one thing I think when I heard from uh, this too, it's like, I realized like, wow, I do, I do, I don't listen to people. It's like I would listen to you and I was just like, you know, create my own thoughts. And so when I restate whatever you say, it's almost like uh, it's totally different. And there's one thing like I'm learning, there's a lot of knowledge that people say on the table, but sometimes we just don't really capture it, you know. Like I feel like every day there's like tons of knowledge that, you know, people, or wisdom people share. And being in the circle and learn from uh, Jeffrey and Kevin, he said, and even this guy, he said, uh, we talk about roots, you know, we started off about talking about the history of Kali and all that. And that's one thing it's like you know, I have to, I really try to understand and learn like I have to look at look back at my history where all the different mentors in my life or even just anything that I come across and learn, it creates my belief and how I come into this circle and uh, try to, you know, input my input. And it's all come from that roots. What's my knowledge? What my belief is? And I have to like learn a lot because like I have to relearn. Cause it's like everything I was taught was was a little bit different from uh, what we call the circle that I learned. So when it comes to the kids, like Randall was saying, you know, you gotta this this is space to just be yourself. And uh, I'm I'm like in I'm so used to like be uh, hard on discipline you know or if you gotta be in the space you gotta do this you gotta listen to me you know i'm telling you this because that's like how i grew up you know from those who raised me to any program that i've been in you know it's like gotta walk a certain way pow you know what I mean? <laughs> or you know when i was playing sports you know, coach is always yelling at you i joined the military and that was all that and it's like force onto us to think to be indoctrinated to be you know put your feelings aside and just follow what this thing 
the mission. And so sometimes I like, I get frustrated at the kids. Like I just want them to snap and pop, like boom, boom, boom. And I get it done. And then I'm in this space and it's like, wow, there's so much patience. Like, you know, if you look around in like in a housing community, not just housing, but uh, you know, I mean, middle class, low, low income class, or working class, and uh, it's almost like I think about like what's the places that you hang out, you know, the, the YMCA or it's like programs, and then you get the parks. But then, you know, sometimes other places it's like people, kids are afraid to be there. Or what I'm saying is that this this place. It's like a safe place, you know. It's not only a safe place, but it's a, you know, you get these mentors and you get the bike shop. And I mean, if anything, this place is like a, it's a home, a second home to them because a lot of them don't have that at home. So you know, they come over here and they just want to be like Randall said, you know, just want to be themselves. And that's where I recognize that too. Like, oh yeah, you know, they just want to be a family or be a friend or be part of this thing. And I'm still, like there's a difference between knowledge and then practical. And I think that's the real knowledge when you actually have it in you and not just up here, you know, it's like when you can be content with it, you know, be happy about it. You know? Not like when you're like trying to process it. That's my problem. I get another knowledge, but it's like I have a hard time in the practical sense, like the discipline or the patience or something. I was born in Pompey. I moved to Chuk. Then I was raised there by my grandparents, my dad's parents. So this place are in Micronesia, and if you guys are familiar, Pompey, Chuk. My parents came up here in 93, and my siblings and all that. But, you know, I rarely, because, you know, we, don't, we didn't have cell phones back then, and I rarely talked yeah. to them once, I, once they move up here. And I was raised by my grandparents, and then uh, when I was 15, my uh, grandparents brought me up. So I thought we were visiting, because I, I felt like they were more of my parents than my real parents, you know. But then I just kind of sensed like they were, you know, dropping me off. Like they dropped me off in the neighborhood, you know. But it's another country to another country. <laughs> and so, and they were leaving. I was leaving to school or something and I was really mad like I, I didn't know how to process that I was just like I think I left without saying goodbye or something and they left and and I think about that I feel sad like you know just uh, sorry I have so much emotion but yeah And uh, as I say, you know, my grandparents is like I just I just felt like they they did that they did that for me and uh, and I'm here, you know. I joined the military when I was 18 after graduating. Didn't know anything about the military, especially the Marine Corps. Oh, I was just shocked for me, you know. I was like, wow, <laughs> what I got myself into, you know. I really believe everything they tell me, cause you know I just been here two years, three years, and then I joined the military and it was like, I'm still trying to understand America. And then now I'm in the American military. When they say things like, you know, I'm gonna kill you or I believed it. You know, I thought they were serious. So I was just like, 
that was trauma for me too. But uh, you know, January Marine Corps did one tour with them to Iraq. I uh, came back. I wasn't doing well, then I was just drinking a lot, and then uh, you know, like uh, I would say, homeless. But I was basically moving from house to house, uninvited from friends. I would just go with my friends. Sometimes not even inside. Like we sleep outside. You know, just go to the park and hang out at the park. Cause I got, I got, I start, I got arrested, and then uh, that's when my parents used to live KPT. I was banned from coming into the area, and then uh, my uh, uncle asked my mom if if I can go live with them in Big Island. So I went to the Big Island and uh, stay with them. And about a year later, I joined the National Guard. I worked at a different place, like I worked at a store, I worked at a hotel, I worked in construction for like a short period of time. And then I joined the National Guard. I was excited because we were deploying, I was like, oh yeah, I like deployment, I don't want to be a, a National Guard who doesn't, you know, I mean, you don't get paid that much, so got deployed with them again. And it was interesting because in the Marine Corps, I was a, uh, what they call, field wireman which is very old. You run phones, but it's all analog phones. There's some digital phones, but you know, it's mostly analog. And Marine Corps still have those technology. The only way you can tap it is you have to physically go there and you know, connect it, you know. So yeah, I was dead in the Marine Corps and then I went to the National Guard and then they asked me if I wanted to be an infantry. I was like, yeah. So and if you understand the military culture, a lot of people, they wanted, they wish they were infantry, but nobody wanted to take the job. Mm -hmm. Usually they give it to the ones that they have no options. They have a low score, or, you know, they come in from, like from a jail to military program, you know, those kind of people that goes into the infantry. And then I think it's weird because uh, uh, on outside infantry are really nothing. You know, they cannot get any job, you know. So yeah, I was excited. <laughs> to be in National Guard Infantry. And then a uh, good thing I wasn't doing infantry work. We were doing convoy and I was a gunner. I was a uh, protection for the convoy going up and down. Luckily, I didn't die uh, or injured or anything. We had uh, several, I think, two of our guys that got killed. But I mean, I don't know if it's, I really don't know what happened. I mean, I know, but they, you know, I don't want to say it because it's like, I don't know the facts. One of them is a Micronesian girl, Chukis. She's our first casualty. I actually know that girl a little bit. Uh, there was a few of us, there's maybe about 10 of us or a little bit more Micronesian in the Hawaii National Guard. And I think every one of them represent well. Like I was probably the knucklehead. Because eh? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, I have this Kali uh, mentality. <laughs> Actually, before I got out, I was started. Uh, we came back from deployment. I have hard time. Uh, I have I have hard time like uh, I don't know. I just like drinking. You know, I was drinking a lot, and I would just get into trouble, and then I would get arrested. And then, uh, two times, one of my sergeant, because he's a cop too, saw me at the jail, and he would come and he would tell a story, funny story about me, you know. And I was like, like listening to them, you know, they're all laughing. I, at first it was kind of funny, but I realized like, wow, yeah, I am like the, I am the shit back, you know, in the unit. Because, you know, I always get in trouble. 
even when I was in the military, I always wanted to fight, you know, because I have this thing about me, like I have to prove myself or something. I'm small, I'm Micronesian, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, man, I feel ashamed of myself. I feel like, you know, I'm not representing myself or my heritage well. I continued to, <laughs> to, do, to do stupid things and then uh, I got arrested, arrested for a month, a little bit more than a month. But basically, uh, they charged me with AWOL. The unit was, because the unit was uh, doing their annual training, which is about three weeks, and I was missing for that three weeks. They went to Big Island, and I wasn't there. I'm saying I'm so lucky. That's why I'm saying this story, because uh, I was doing uh, community service as part of when I got out. Uh, the guy that I was doing, he was the, the employee of city and county. He's a former National Guard. Found out I was a National Guard person and he took me up the road to where my unit was at. I went there because my sergeant was basically yelling at me. He's from Guam. At first he was yelling at me, but then he's like, you know, trying to make me feel better by saying that, you know, we got to represent our people well. And then coming from him, I was like thinking about it because, you know, in Micronesia, Jamor don't usually want to be associated with the rest of Micronesia. But he was talking about Maupi Ailik and all that, and that's the first time I heard Maupi Ailik. I've been living in Hawaii, I've never heard, maybe I did come across, but I've never heard it like he's big, you know what I mean? And I started looking into what's, what, he, what he was talking about, Maupi Ailik and all that. Yeah, and then, uh, then he was like, okay, you gotta wait, because we gotta do a conference call with the, your commanding officer. And uh, he got promoted, and he was working at a headquarters somewhere. And so they called and they were talking and he was like, yeah, Max, I uh, really appreciate what you what you did out there, talking about in Iraq. And he was like, yeah, you know, you got this charge on you that we're supposed to, uh, you know, because you were missing. And he's like, what you want to do with your life? You want to re-enlist? I said, sir, there's no way I re-enlist. I, uh, I already ruined, ruined it, so I think I'm going to get out. He said, wait, how about this? When do you get out? I say, oh, and I think that was like in two months. How about you just come uh, on our drill. The day you get out, I will give you the paper. Uh, honorable discharge. I was like, sir, are you serious? I'm going to get honorable. He's like, yeah. I got honorable discharge and uh, came out. There was a lot of things going good for me. I, mean, I can talk forever. <laughs> Even my probation officer was proud of me. Even the, the people in the court was proud of me. And then I turned around and I got in trouble again. So then they were threatening me to put me back in jail I mean all this stuff. But even that, I beat that. I just don't know how I keep... So it's supposed to be a 90 days. That was in 2011. I was supposed to serve 90 days and then I just never showed up to court. 2012, I turned myself into a program. That was my third time into that program, the AA program. They didn't want to take me. They said, this is your third time. So I, I keep coming back and they're like, if you want to be here, you got to prove yourself. I don't even have money. I got to find 250 to go up to the VA because that's the program I wanted to. And sometimes I ask people to drop me off. I keep going up, keep going up, and then they finally took me in and then, uh, did that program for uh, six months, went into another program, uh, 
finally finish in August. You know, I was basically going back to do things, but that was hard because it's like every time I try to apply for a job that I was, I would be denied. And uh, I started working with, for restaurants, then I ended up working at a t-shirt place. I don't know what Jeffrey saw in me, but I uh, was laid off. I think it was like, yeah, I was laid off for a little bit. And then uh, Jeffrey talked to me about an opportunity with the program that he was doing. The age group was 25 to 15. I said, Jeffrey, you got the wrong. I'm 33, and I'm not 25. He's like, oh, you won't make an exception for you. So, but at that time, I was already involved. I volunteered with the Anti-Innocentas program. I went into the program, the Nakim Leadership Institute. That was a really enlightening moment for me, because it's like, I always thought I was, uh, you know, like I wanted to understand how the system works, the government, uh, or the people. I always thought I have passion for the people, but so I was in follow and volunteering and stuff, but I never really understand it, like as looking at it as a bigger picture, or, or even like how this concept with working with the kids and all that. I, I, I talk a lot, but you know, that's like my story, you know. Thank you for everything that you shared. That's really so special to be able to listen and to learn from your story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have enough. It's mm. taking a lot of uh, our time here. That's all good. I'd be curious um, to hear from the stories of other folks um, continuing on with this really rich question that you posed about transformation, what it's been like being in this space. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Kevin stepped out a little bit, but uh, Kevin is the program manager of this space, and he's seen, Kevin has seen this uh, space transform into uh, a bike shop, uh, from a bike shop, strictly a bike shop, to uh, uh, an educational space, to a space of transformation, to a space of healing. And Kevin has uh, been uh, practicing this pedagogy from the university and bringing it out to the community. We started first, Kevin and I started in the uh, Community Education Civic Engagement Program. We had a, a small grant that funded our work and um, it was a voter registration and we said, you know, it's voting is fine, <laughs> but it doesn't transform people. Sometimes, sometimes it actually works against you. It's, it's sort of voting against your own interests. And we said, we, we're interested in a space that engages people that animates the wisdom of young people and we say young doesn't mean dumb poor doesn't mean stupid and we grew up learning all this young and dumb poor is stupid right and so we said no 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 i said you know young working class folks who live in kalihi live in ever beach it says we we also theorize we also engage politically i said there's no revolution that happened without working people and so we said, let's, let's transform, let's use the bike as a vehicle for transformation, a vehicle of a vehicle, right? And um, let's see bike as the medium for relationship. You know, fixing a bike can be a metaphor for um, working on our lives and how to tune our lives, how to um, journey together. And, and Kevin came up with the idea of the 
the modern day va'a, urban va'a can be the, the, the bicycle. What's a va'a? A va'a is a Hawaiian word for a water vessel or a canoe or a ship. But va'a is, is what we use. Um, in, in Filipino, it's balangay. And we also sort of use that as a metaphor. Balangay means water vessels and va'a. But barangay, the L and the R and the I, is actually interchangeable. The barangay just then means a town unit, a community unit. Mm -hmm. So in Ilocano, in Tagalog cosmology, in Filipino cosmology, a water vessel is the same, a canoe or a ship is the same word for community. And so it forces you to engage each other with love. Uh, with a little bit of humility, with resourcefulness, to survive on a ship means to survive in the community. And so all that philosophy come out. And we said, if you take care of our bike, our modern, our urban balangay, our urban va'a, in the same way that we take care of bikes. And so this become, this whole building becomes a metaphor for uh, ahupua'a, a modern day ahupua in the building, but also sort of a, a community and a relationship building. So we build bikes, but we also build relationships with each other. And I think Kevin can speak to his own story of, of how he got here. Yeah, so uh, my name is Edward Kevin Barbosa Faller. Um, my parents was born and raised in Lokban Quezon um, in the Philippines, immigrant parents, working class parents. When I was younger, I was begging my parents for a younger brother. Um, I had an older sister who's doing very well. Um, our, the family unit is, is strong, but I always was asking for, there's always something missing. Um, maybe it was because my parents worked two, three jobs. Um, maybe it was because my sister had a lot of activities. She had hula, um, she did cheerleading, she did ukulele. Firstborn child, you get almost everything. So I always used to beg my parents and I thought she was the meanest person in the world for not giving me a little brother. Um, I used to like resent her and I seen the love that she would give my sister and and all of that so I was a little jealous because she had everything she was able to go to college with with no no loans in the back of her mind no worries of if you can pay for your meal plan she had an apartment and when I went to college during the financial crisis, my dad lost his job. So it was a different story. It was a different social biography, not just for myself, but my parents. Um, my dad lost his job. Um, he couldn't pay mortgage. His credit score went down, and Sally Mae just basically sent a letter to my mom and dad stating, um, uh, sorry for being so irresponsible brown immigrants, but we cannot approve you for your, 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 your school loan. So through um, searching for valid validation and searching for um, identity I took this class in IP 364 where I met um, Dr. Jeffrey I had all women as my teachers growing up some brown women uh, teachers growing up I had white males as teachers growing up um, and during this crucial time and I knew I knew my dad lost his job um, it was in 2014 and I was just searching I was in between paths of becoming a statistic because Filipino men have the lowest rate of, uh, of finishing college in University of Hawaii. Um, the lowest rate out of any ethnic group, out of any gender, it's the Filipino men who tend to drop out and not finish schools. I'm actually a statistic. I did drop out 
couple years before that. In this semester, um, I probably had three or four weeks left of school, um, and I was just gonna drop out and give up, um, only because we were really behind on the mortgage and I had to continue working. With that, mentorship. The mentorship piece was a key part, and someone always telling me that it's possible, um, you deserve this, and and just continue doing the pedagogy and the pedagogy will um, eventually bless the soldiers or the soul juniors and the soldiers and the, the warriors of liberation. Um, so I, I didn't drop out with the, um, with the support of, of one person, of one male role model. To continue, continue fight, fighting the story and fighting for your story, I told my mom and dad, mom, I'm gonna continue school and they were livid. like. How are you so selfish and, and whatever? We cannot even pay for school. Um, my GPA dipped to 1.1. So on top of the financial inadequacies, I couldn't even raise a GPA that FAFSA would, rate, uh, would allow. So with that and just persistence and being able to reframe my story in terms of I'm not a broke brown kid anymore. I am a, um, I'm a wounded soldier that still has a heart to fight. Um, and just with the support and just being able to introduce myself to people that mattered because I really believe in this notion of it's not what you know, it's not who you know, but it's who knows you and who's willing to help you. And those are the relationships that you got to keep fostering and nurturing and watering them. Because I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. I know Kobe Bryant. I, talk, I used to talk all about him. I buy his shoes. I buy his jerseys. I'm making him rich, but he doesn't know me. So we reframe that, that it's not what you know, it's who you know, um, into it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you and who's willing to help you. Um, so from there, I was just focusing on relationships that really had my best interest in terms of, I may not get paid now, but I'm sure that they're gonna bless me in the future by just showing up how, how um, pono or how righteous or how honest my movement is. Um, so the next semester, I had a full ride scholarship which allowed me to do more community work instead of doing the nine to five slave work. So I did a lot more community work. We was able to um, deepen the pedagogy, deepen the, the story of I, and eventually was able to reach my community. Um, I had this opportunity. I was, like Jeffrey mentioned, I was a part of the CC team, which was a well solid oiled machine. We had a staff who was practicing the pedagogy for a while. So we were just moving flawlessly and there was this position called K-Vibe that opened up. So I was in this fork of, do I leave a team that's working well or do I go on my own? I remember that story of my little brother that I'd never had. For someone to take a bet on a 26 year old kid from the hood um, and give him the keys to the city, I couldn't refuse that. With the support of CC and, and KKV in general and everyone else, we was able to transform a, a little bike shop, which is located in the inflection point of Camfor and KPT, the two biggest public housing units. And we were able to do this very blue-collar, um, mechanical, working-class space into a more liberating space by using the bikes as a vehicle um, for the first month or so in the shop I was just I was just so um, motivated by the wisdom of, of the people that we serve and the young folks and and the resiliency and and, and just the pure passion they have for each other um, 
they would come in and they have a musubi and they would all take a bite. Um, I'm from Evo Beach on the hood and we buy our own musubis and we get mad for taking two bites. You can have one, but you can have two. In this space, they buy one musubi for eight people and everyone, everyone got half a bite. So um, it's not even just that. It was more so um, what made me want to continue was just the framework of people donating. Um, we would have middle-class folks coming into this space and being like, oh, wow, this is such a cool, cool, cool program. Do these kids eventually become bike mechanics at the bike shop or, or the local bike shops? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. Then they walk off feeling like they're the liberators or they're the, they're the white Jesuses in the world. So whatever that means. But this is the same, the same, same, same stories and that would come in. We have this middle class folk from the east side or the west side or the north side or the south side or whatever side we're from, but just a different um, framework on life. Um, might have struggled, may not have struggled, but they all had the same thing in common, and that was having a ceiling on our brown and young folks, which was, wow, such a great program. Do they become bike mechanics eventually? So for me, I was like, no, imagine when they start working on airplanes. <laughs> imagine when they start becoming lawyers and doctors, giving them the right support and resources to be able to dream whoever you want to become. So, um, yeah, and, and that dream became reality in terms of transformation. Um, the first thing I had to do was transform the space. We believed if you, you beautify the space or you beautify the environment, then the souls would follow. Um, at first, I was thinking of souls as in shoes because I was really into fashion, and I use fashion as metaphors all the time um, because as immigrants, my parents couldn't buy me shoes. Um, they could buy me shoes with orange tags because at Foot Locker, orange meant clearance, red meant sale, and I couldn't afford the red, so I had to get clearances, so I had to get yellow tags. So here, I believe if you change the environments, we, we can get more than just the yellow tags, and it's not even monetary, it's not even um, material, it's more than that. We deserve to eat well, we deserve to f feel well, we deserve to get the best of the best. I think. Yesterday we just came up with one um, a pledge. It was so beautiful. The pledge was something. Um, I pledge to always be the highest highest self, highest self um, to be the best version of myself. And we repeated that, and it was just such a it was a cool space to be in to to just animate the the, the wisdom of our community and allowing them to to have the confidence to take on the the forces out there in the world that's always, always um, draining their, their, their energies and, and all, of, all of the pressures it means to be a young man in, in, in the world right now. So we're trying to teach them to be young, young soldiers of the world, where soldiers not as in um, as military force, but to have the soul to, to, to be the warriors of when someone is oppressed to stand up. And, and yeah, we use the bikes as the vehicle to come in here and we the, the story is still untold. My journey starts at Chuk, where I was born. I stayed there for four years. Like, I lived with my dad and my mom. They both had separate houses. So like, yeah, and then they both decided to 
shipped me off to Hawaii. So I came down, four years old, I lived at Punchbowl. I was living with like a lot of family members I didn't know. There was like 15 of us in one house and only three bedrooms, one bathroom. I would sleep on the, uh, in the living room with all my cousins, yeah. So, I don't know, I started school, I joined A+, that was my first after-school program. I stayed there, like I had fun, a lot of memories, and then I went up to middle school. My grades started like going down, so I joined another program, it was at Dole called All Stars or Ulani Ike. I really liked it because like, we played basketball, all kinds of sports, like, yeah, like, just made me feel happy. And then on on to high school, my grades started going down even more. And then I wanted to join like, something because I was like, tired of staying home all day, just doing nothing. So I tried joining basketball, but my auntie said no. And then I joined surfing, and she was like, oh yeah, do whatever. I was like, oh yeah. So I tried surfing, and like two weeks later, like I was on a wave and I got hurt by the coral, like at Sand Island. I had like a huge scar on my leg. My auntie seen the scar and she was like, oh no, stop, get out of there. <laughs> so I was like, oh shoot, can I join like paddling then? I was like, oh yeah, you can join paddling. But then I came home late one day and she was like, oh no, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh damn, what can I join now? So like, usually I'm supposed to go home right after school, but I don't. I go down to the Kalakaua gym to play ball. But nobody knows that, just my friends. So I just play ball all day. And then every Tuesday, there's this thing called Young Life. So I went to Young Life. They helped me with my grades, started going back up. So I was just like, this one night, Max and Grace came in, I started talking about K-Vibe. I was like, so intrigued into it. So, yeah, they had like, they were talking about like, every fourth Friday, you guys have that community dinner. Came on like, a Wednesday or Friday. I came in with two other friends. We seen the place and then, started like hearing all these offers all these things that we can get like money just whatever started like thinking about it like yeah 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 one friend was like yeah I'm down but like he was busy because like he has to go like practice church and other things and another friend he was just too lazy and he wanted to stay home talk to his chick all that and then there was me I wanted to get out of the house, try new things. Oh, I was just stuck at home. I asked my auntie if I could come. She said no, but I still came. <laughs> Cause like, there's this time after school, like I have time, like a few hours to go to church and then meet up with my family. So like, she told, she told me to go home and then go shower and do all these things, but I didn't. I went to the bike shop and did all this I don't know, work, but it, was, it wasn't really work, it was just having fun, meeting new people, calling them family. 
And then those two friends ditched me, and then, oh shoot, I have to make new ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. I mean, and then, every time I go home, they would ask me, like, oh, where you been? I can't really, like, speak Chukese, so, like, it's hard to explain in English to them. So I just ignore them and walk straight to my room. The only person that could understand is my auntie. I would tell her, like, all the things I would do here, not all, but like some of the things I would do here, she like, she doesn't really care. She just goes on her iPad, play game. So like, yeah. And then this morning, it was a struggle too to get here. I would like get ready and then my grandma would be like, oh, where are you going? Like in Chiquis. I would just say bike shop and I was like, oh, what, what you doing over there? I can't really explain to her because I, I don't know like the words to describe it. Mm. And my sister would ask me like, oh, where are you going? And I will tell her bike shop. She didn't really care to. No, no, she did, but like she was like, oh no, you gotta do all of this, like chores before you go. And I was like, oh shoot, I don't wanna do chores. I'll just leave right away. <laughs> so like, I went to my auntie and told her, no, I begged her to let me come. She was like, no, 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 you gotta do chores. <laughs> I was like, okay, can't like the other boys do it? Cause like there's two more cousins in, <laughs> in the room. I was like, oh, can, can they do the chores? And then I just go. Like, why? Where are they? Oh, they're in the room. Are they awake? I look inside the room, they're sleeping. I was like, oh, yeah, they're awake. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, tell them to do the laundry and all that. And you just take out the trash and you can go. I was like, oh, yes. So I just ran out, took out the trash, put on my shoes, <laughs> dipped down here. And yeah, but like this place, I just have good vibes to it. Like, I just really like it. I like coming, seeing new faces, meeting new people going to like that farm up there so maybe we can check out name home and um what is uh, a healing moment for you here at k vibe so i can start it uh, my name is jeffrey home for me is kalihi and um i i felt uh, a step towards healing in this space when uh, k vibe Show me how to show emotions and how to feel, how to get angry, how to show love, how to hug each other at the end of the day. And I think the young people show me a lot of love and a lot of patience for my own uh, um, li limitations and possibilities. And so I felt a lot of, just a lot of love from the men in this, in this group and in this space. Um, it's healing for me. Home for me is... I call K-Vibe home, been spending a lot of time here lately, um, and a sign of healing that I've gained from being here is kind of going with Jeffrey's um, statement of the youth looking up to me and um, just feeling the love and them being excited to come and see us and hang out and be another family or extension of their family. And they can trust us and confide in us um, has been really powerful. And also being up at Hoagline at the farm, um, I was able to bring my mom a few months ago up there when she was um, visiting and just seeing the sparkle in her eye, seeing what we're doing and really understanding and getting a feel for the program. Um, just seeing how proud she was and how much it meant to her was very healing for me. Thank you.
Hello, my name is Kuya Kevin. Um, home for me is Lokban Keson, Evo Beach, Hawaii, um, Kalihi and K-Vibe. Um, what healing is to me um, is um, acknowledging, acknowledging that um, although I'm older than many of these uh, boys and young men that we serve, um, they are my ancestors as well. Being able to relive uh, my immigrant parents' footsteps and being able to re-see and respect them and, and relive their lives and their experiences um, through the lens of the young boys that come out. Um, ancestors, I like to say sometimes. Um, name is Kevin. Home for me is Evo Beach, Lukban, and Kalihi. And my ancestors are Randall and John. Um, home for them is the Philippines and Chuck. And I take that everywhere I go. Bless up. Uh, my name is Kuya uh, Max. Um, home for me is the um, the ocean of uh, Micronesia or Pacific, that has no border. You know, it's just one big ocean, and the land. That uh, that I'm on, and I feel like uh, uh, K vibe is is giving me that home. That uh, you know, it's 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 a uh, what is that word? Not an ans an ancestor. Heritage? No, I don't know. I'm still learning English. But uh, I, how I, how I see um, healing in this space. Uh, I think healing is for me is uh, like Kevin said, is reciprocal. Like, oh, is it reciprocal? Yeah, like uh. I think I thank Kevin and uh, Jeffrey for believing in me. It's like that's healing in itself, you know. When you give me the opportunity to uh, be part of this, and then also, uh, and I feel like as in AA, me AA, that program, Alcoholic Anonymous. Uh, you know they. They don't know. They cannot get healing outside of you know, that. So with the same thing with the kids. I feel like when I come to try to be part of this mentorship, I am being healed by learning how to be a healer. I guess like I think the kids have taught me how to be a better per try to be a better version of myself. Hi, my name is John. Home for me is Chuk, K-Vibe, and Kalihi. What is healing to me is... K-Vibe is my healing. Every time I need, I'm hurt, or I want to relieve stress, I come here. It's like a place of healing for me. Get all, all my stress, if I'm hurt, people here would like, 
just so me show me like that they care and all that. And just like yeah. Okay, vibe is healing. My name is Randall De Jesus. Home for me is Sarat Ilocos Norte in the Philippines, Kalihi and K Vibe. And healing to me is just being able to identify my identity, my my name, my home, and my ancestors. Just being able to name them and understand what they are is healing to me. Thank you all so much for everything that you shared and for the work that you're doing here. I'm so sincerely appreciative that you took your time and energy today to be able to talk story and to be able to listen with one another uh, and to be able to share these incredible stories and experiences of healing and of building community with our listeners. For more information about K-Vibe and their parent organization, please check out k-vibe.blogspot.com or kkv.net. Again, that's k-vibe.blogspot.com or kkv.net. You can also check out those links in our show notes. The power of the people is louder than the evil. That's it for today's episode of Feral Visions, a decolonial feminist podcast brought to you by the Grassroots Adult Freedom School Liberation Spring. I've been your host, Anjali Nathupadia, and I thank you for listening. What did this dialogue evoke for you? You're welcome to post questions and reflections in the comment section below to continue our collective journey of unlearning, remembering, and imagining. If you want to share feedback, such as segment ideas or potential guests you'd like to hear on the show, email liberationspring at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow Feral Visions on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can find our free show archive. The Liberation Spring YouTube page also has the video recordings of most all of our dialogues, too. If you'd like more information on this show's topic, including upcoming online classes and one-on-one community independent studies, check out liberationspring.com. To donate to the project, check out Liberation Spring's Patreon page. Thanks to Climbing Poetry for our theme song, We Rise for Technical Production, and Grammy Award-nominated Zion Angelus of Baby Mamahood for our opening. Please consider leaving a rating or review so others can find out about the show. Be sure to tune in for next week's episode. And in the meantime, let's make our ancestors proud.